Welcome to More Than A Game, episode 100. Um, we've hit the ton. Um, congratulations to us, obviously. Um, but look, uh, in all seriousness, though, um, a big thank you from Colby, Jesse, Damo, George, Andy, and myself uh, to all our uh, loyal listeners who are stuck with us. Uh, you might have might have been there from episode one. You might have only just recently joined us. But look, um, thank you to all of our loyal listeners for for tuning in um, and contributing to the pod. Um, without the listeners, wouldn't really be much of a podcast. It'd just be us having a chat. So um, thank you to all of the listeners. Um, 100 great episodes and may the next 100 be even better. Uh, this week I'm joined by Jesse and uh, from across the other side of the world, George, welcome. Yeah, morning or evening, your time lads. I've just woken up on Monday morning, so it's a, nothing better than seeing your faces first thing. <laughs> It's Fresh. great to have you. It's great to have you on. I'm, I'm just worried uh, about how the stream's going to go with uh, with uh, with your lag. But you know what? You've probably got better internet than we do here in Australia. So, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, boys. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Man, any jackhammering there this morning, or it's looking like it's it's all good? No, no, there will be some. I think we've just got in <laughs> slightly earlier, so hopefully, hopefully by the time we're done, uh, the, the boys will get started on the tools. Oh, very good. Uh, and Jesse, what about you, mate? How, how's your work, uh, the start to your work week been? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to get on to it soon, but uh, it was an early start this morning. And, um, you know, Mondays are shit anyway. Um, then throw on top of a couple of results and uh, really is the cherry on, on top. So, um, you know, I won't hold you up anymore. Let's just get right into it. Mate, welcome to the world of the rest of us. Uh, that's all I can say, Jesse. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, look, let's let's crack into it. Um, lots to talk about today, and look, we we've got to let George get off to work as well. So we've we've got a time frame here. Uh, so, uh, gents, all right, let's let's kick off with moment of the week. Um, Jesse, what's what caught your attention this week? Well, it was my boy Hamas um, Rodriguez, Tommy. Um, I think you're you're a fan as well. I hear. I am. Um, yeah, um, so just 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 the fact that he's backing up his um, his performances and and I, I was I was proven wrong. Um, I, I had a, remember having a chat to you on the weekend before the Brighton game, and I said to you that um, because of Allen being out and um, Gomez and a few injuries there, I thought he was going to be uh, Hamas is going to be a bit quiet, quite exposed, um, and that Brighton were probably the smoky to win that game. And um, yeah, just watching the game and Brighton capitulate, a lot of it was down to Hamas just popping up at the the far post. And it, admittedly, some excellent deliveries went his way, but he had to take them. And uh, he's backing up, uh, not just a, I think a lot of people expected him to play well, but he don't have the odd good performance. Um, but the reason why it's my moment of the week is that he's actually backing these performances up. And admittedly, he hasn't played any really, really good teams yet, but um you can only play what's in front of you, so good on him. Indeed. Look, he's been a revelation so far. I mean, not, not just him, but that whole Everton team, they are absolutely humming at the moment. Um, but like I said, more on that in a little bit. What about uh, you, George? What's caught your attention? 
Um, well, it's been a pretty exciting week. A, a, a couple of a couple of highlights. I think uh, Ollie Watkins getting a, a hat trick uh, against uh, Liverpool. Um, there were there were a few sort of people doubting whether he could sort of step up in the into the Premier League after a, a good season at Brentford last year. And um, you know he, he's now you know off and running. And uh, you know I, I've tipped him for big things this year. I think I, I had him in my list as one of my boys. So. Uh, <laughs> as long as he continues like this, um, it'll be pretty good. And and also um, one other thing as well, um, the 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 classic sort of uh, hot penalty, which we saw Jorginho destroy a, destroy uh, a couple, of, and, and then and then Bruno Fernandez got involved as well yesterday. So uh, it, it seems to be unbeatable at the moment. Although uh, I think Jorginho's only missed one. Uh, Allison got him, but uh, aside from that, um, yeah. Someone made a, a good point. I can't remember who the commentator was about uh, goalkeepers maybe just uh, sort of delaying their dive a little bit and just, um, excuse me, holding still. But um, yeah, you're right. Like the the hop seems to have thrown just about every goalkeeper in the league, and, and no one knows what to do with it. It's it's like yeah. uh, it's, it's the googly all over again. Yeah. Um, and and with the amount of penalties uh, in the in the Premier League and, and around the world this this season, uh, you know, it's, it's a very handy handy little tool to have. I like how Bruno does both, though. Like he's got it in his locker, but then sometimes you just go for the classic penalty. So you, you want that? You want some it's variety? Absolute mind games at the spot. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, for me, I, I had, uh, as you would, as everyone has come to expect, I had more than just one um, moment of the week this way. And first one was um, someone referring to Omerick Laporte as Eric. On uh, on Twitter during the week, and he he's really bought into it now, and he's just going by uh, I'm Eric Laporte on um, on Twitter, and um, naturally Amazon got on board as well, and and then now just uh, I'm Azon um, as well. So I thought that was pretty funny as well. So Eric um, Eric Laporte now is is he's uh, now known. Um, second one was uh, Wayne Rooney. He popped up in the championship with a, a cracker of a free kick and. Look, I, I've got to be honest. I didn't know Wayne Rooney was still playing, but um, he, he's still kicking about. I th- um, think he's with Fulham at the moment. But um, if there was one thing Darby. that um, Darby. Oh, Darby. Darby, yeah, sorry, you're right. Fulham will be back um, in the championship next year. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if there was one thing that was a little bit, um, I thought a little bit strange about this uh, free kick was that. Um, uh, for the Wayne Rooney free kick, I thought the wall seemed to be a long, long way back. Like sometimes you see it and from the naked eye, you're thinking, is that is that 10 yards or is that like 12 or 13? But because the, the wall, uh, like they're on the penalty spot, but the ball is actually placed a good two yards ahead of that, uh, the circle that, or the D, I guess, at the top of the box. And so you can see quite clearly that it's a lot more than 10 yards. So um, interesting there. But um, George, what about you? What What didn't you like this week? Well, I was just going to jump on the, the free kick theme as well, Tommy. Just And my almost moment of the week was uh, De Bruyne's uh, uh, free kick, it, um, mm. which, which he nearly he nearly caught uh, caught um, the uh, yeah kidnapping. And um, you know, he he the, looking at his face, he was in shock. Um, but uh, yeah, all, my almost it's, it's, moment of the week was De Bruyne. That. It was the it was the Joe Bryan from uh, the yeah. championship playoff last was, season all, was, all over yeah. again. I'm trying to remember <laughs> which. Originally Gary McAllister, Tommy. If we want to go oh. back and <laughs> go back to the app, we'll put that one up on YouTube for all the uh, for all the listeners <laughs> and the watchers of this one. We probably won't. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm not. Did they have video when um, Gary McAllister <laughs> was playing? Or <laughs> Mate, on repeat, it's it's on the DVD on DVD. <laughs> 
Um, my my own goals, geez, like where do we begin? Um, I don't. I haven't uh, discussed these with you, but uh, obviously, number one, I think, has got to be uh, Jordan Pickford. Like, how many mistakes can you make in a continuous run of you know three months before before <laughs> you're going to get dropped? Or, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible he, he, how how shocking his um, his fall from grace is from the you know being be England's number one at the, the World Cup and then. You know, he was a real Harlan. darling, darling of England, yeah. sort of for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, and there's a lot of competition there, and and Southgate's picked him again because it's an international week this week, so it'll be interesting to see whether he, he actually plays. But um, he, he's just yeah, and if Everton want to mount, and I don't want to buy into the Everton the, <laughs> the title chat yet, but if, if they're if they're going to be a serious title challenger or even top four, um, you know, you, you can't be having all those mistakes at the back when you when your attack's just humming. So, so well. So, um, also another one, another England one, keeping on the England theme, uh, Harry Maguire. Um, he's also <laughs> forgotten how to defend. And the, the one good thing he used to be able to do was, was head up, head of the ball. If you, if you saw uh, one of the goals last night, mm. um, I think it was the one where he also pulled down Luke Shaw as well. So, um, couldn't, couldn't manage a header back to De Gea. Um, so, he man marks, he man marks Shaw out of the game. Yeah, man, really, he really. took him out of the game. Um, <laughs> There was also the one where he was uh, the cross came in from the byline and went through his legs. Like some some of the defending from from Harry uh, of late has been man. The man's still on holidays, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know he had a big <laughs> big preseason in Mykonos, but um, yeah, it seems to seems to be playing on his mind. And then and you know, I think I think a few of the commentators were saying, you know, oh, it'd be good to see get his confidence back playing in the England shirt and, and, and that sort of stuff. Well, you, if Pickford's playing behind him and, and Harry Maguire's centre-back, <laughs> I don't know what's, what's going to happen to their confidence. <laughs> but, but, but also, how ridiculous is that, that you go to play for your national team to, like, get your, get your confidence back? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, Jesse, what about you, mate? What, what didn't you like this week? The, uh, I, I, was, I, I was particularly scathing of uh, Pickford uh, midweek. Um, I, I really... Yeah, and then he goes and does that again. So I, I've run out of patience with him. I, I, I can't imagine what Ancelotti's feeling right now. Um, so, yeah, he was actually as well in, in my thoughts for own goal of the week. Um, and that was all before um, the absolute shitstorm of last night happened. And um, <laughs> it, it, I woke up, so I had to rub my eyes at the 6-1 from Manchester United and then proceeded to sit through uh, an absolute travesty after that. So I have to say my own goal was getting up early this morning to watch the football. Um, there, I think there are a few people bitter about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look. Uh, all right. My my own goal uh, this week was um, uh, Serginho Dest. Uh, I think I've pronounced that correctly. He um, was signed by Barcelona during the week from from Ajax for I think it was roughly twenty million dollar fee. Um, now, whenever a player signed for for a club, they seem to like they get him get him in, do some photos, give him. Um, Present the shirt to them and so on and so forth. Maybe get him to do a few keepy uppy keepy But uh, yeah, Serginio Dest, he he took it to to next level. I think it was um, I think it was Paulinho a couple of years ago who could barely kick a ball and like it was a bit of a bad omen for for how things sort of went for him at the club. Um, and yeah, th- things didn't really go very well at all for for Serginio. He he could barely sort of uh, do one keepy uppy, let alone uh, like five or ten or do any tricks. But um, what did uh, make me laugh was that they, um, the the Barcelona website managed to find at least one highlight out of the the five five minutes of keepy uppy or attempts at keepy uppy, and um, 
managed to to get a video of him him doing basically a trick, which um, so good good on them. But um, yeah, Serginho, not a good start, buddy. Um, well, he, he, actually, he, he actually came on last night against Sevilla for for Barcelona with about twenty minutes to go because yeah, Jordi Alba got injured and he, and he and he looked okay actually playing at left back. So maybe he's uh, pretty putting that to bed, Tommy. We'll see. It's, it was only a twenty minute cameo, but. He looked. He looked pretty sharp. Um, I, just, I, I hope they used um, Tina Turner's "Simply the Dest" in the background <laughs> while he was uh, being unveiled. Because if they haven't, they've really missed a trick. You you love this guy just for his name, don't you, yeah. Jesse? <laughs> I, think that, that, I think you've got ten more uh, re- ready to go. I do. Um, Des- destination destination known. Known. <laughs> Look, uh, my my other one, and this will be quick, I promise, was uh, Man United naming their player of the month. Um, and I guess this is just sort of a bit of a sign of the times where clubs are, are really hungry for content and they've got to put it up on social media and their websites and so and so forth. But, I mean, Man United haven't had the greatest of months and I think that showed by them naming one matter as their player of the month, um, a player who, who didn't start a Premier League game for them uh, during the month of September. So, yeah, good job, Man United. <laughs> wow. wow. It was him or Van Der Beek, wasn't it? Really? <laughs> oh, grim. All right, uh, let's let's move on. Uh, a few things to cover though before we get into the Premier League. First up, a little bit of kit chat. Um, last week we we talked a lot about A League and and all of the the kits that were launched. Um, this week there was one that we were particularly waiting on that wasn't yet launched, um, and it's Western City Wanderers. Western Sydney Wanderers' uh, new Kappa kit. Um, George, did this? Uh, did you see this one um, over in in London this, at all? This, or this hasn't, hasn't made it made its way over to the to the UK just yet. So I'll, I'll leave you two for, for for big comments on that one. Well, this um, maybe it breaks into sort of the the second part of this because um, so Vuj or Voy, I, I don't know how you say his name, the the Copper Ninety guy, um, he on Twitter was was basically asking like if they can send one over to him. Um, I, I'm guessing for free since he, he asked if he could do it to to influence and- in. Um, which I mean that just yeah exactly Jesse. Um, it um made me cringe a little bit, and um I guess what was what was um, even worse was um, like the the Wanderers and, and also even Mark Bosnich got on board as well, just sort of simping to say, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. Like, oh, wow. And it just, it was a real sign of, I guess, like where, where the A-League's at that um, like um, there are there are players and, and people all around Australia that, yeah, like everyone everyone wants like this kit, like a lot of people like it. And um, some, some European guy pops up and, Maybe that's a little bit disrespectful. He seems to be quite popular, this guy. Um, but some guy pops his head up and says, oh, can you send us one? And, uh, yeah, all these people are falling over themselves to send him send him one when, yeah, obviously the A-League's core cool market. So here, here are people in Australia. So um bit sad to see. But, Jesse, look, what did, what did you think of the jersey? Did you like it? Yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for for um, for that kind of kit. I love uh, red and black. I mean, that, I'm a little bit biased to that because I grew up in a – area of New Zealand where our sort of areas colors is red and black so I suppose I've always liked that combo um, mm-hmm. but I do like some of the subtleties they seem to have got a lot of the proportions right a lot of people were commenting on the the thickness of the stripes and um, some people were a little bit divided by the white I think it's the white collar Someone I'm, a bit, sure I'm, a bit, about I'm a bit concerned about the the thickness of the collar there it looks it looks a bit flimsy from what I've just pulled up on the uh, on the uh, Google image search there so proportionally yeah, you're really, the, co- the collar is a bit too small well you really need someone that's just got an absolute tank of a neck to offset that <laughs> so they're, they're all gonna they're all gonna just be doing trap workouts in the off season 
It's a shame um, that Mitch Duke has left uh, the Wanderers because he, he would have been a good fit for that. Um, yeah. for that, that color. Trap watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trap watch. They've got a long preseason, so they can spend a bit of time in their gym. That's Everyone right, just comes right. back from, from preseason <laughs> yeah. with just like shovel necks. It's like it's like, it's like FIFA, FIFA 96 or something, eh? Or the graphics. <laughs> Oh dear! All right. Um. One one final thing before we get into um into prem is talk of transfer. So, um, couple of big um, moves in the in the last couple of days. Uh, first one is, uh, Ryan Brewster to Sheffield United for twenty three million. Jesse, you're a Liverpool fan. You you sad to see him go, or you you happy with the deal? Um, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for both sides because I think that there's a real fine line between um. Uh, keeping people because you want to sort of improve the asset to also just sort of choking their career a little bit. Um, mm. One thing about Brewster that we're quite familiar with it at the club is that he's um, he kind of fell behind everybody by about 12 to 18 months because he had a serious knee injury. Um, mm. So all these players that have sort of come through and are kind of ripe to, to, to move on to bigger things, um, he was kind of, he was in that same school, that same sort of year group, but he kind of fell behind by about 18 months in his development. So um, he clearly wants to go and start at another club. I mean, I know that Sheffield will probably rotate quite a bit, but he actually mm. wants more game time. And he just, unfortunately, um, uh, he's playing at a club where he wasn't going to get much of that. I said to Damo during the week, we had a good chat about this, and I was saying that um, uh, I think he's different to your Jordan Ives, your Solanke's, where those were just literally, we're not going to give you um, uh, time at this club and sell, sell them off. Whereas this is actually a case of, Bruce probably could have played his part, but... I think Klopp's given him what he wants, what the player wants. Um, so all the best to him. Fair enough. You know, interesting take. Um, Damo in the, the comments is saying that um, um, that Bruce has played 20, 20 senior league games. So I'm guessing Damo thinks that maybe they've uh, uh, done, a bit of a, done a bit of a job on Sheffield United. Um, That's the average pints per episode for more than a game. So, um, <laughs> you know, if it works for us, it can work for Sheffield. Uh, um, moving on, uh, you got Vladimir Kufal, who's been signed by West Ham. Uh, finally, West Ham have made a made a signing, uh, five million pounds for a for a um, Czech defender. Um, I, I think he's just been signed pretty much because he's a, a decent pro and he's uh, one of Suchek's mates. Yeah. So um, the Suchek is a bit lonely in London, so yeah. he needed to. Yeah, it's it's got real like Sunday league vibes about it. Like, oh yeah, you you need a right back. Oh, I know a right back. Like, oh, just get him on the phone. He, oh, mate, awesome player, awesome player. He he played in the youth setup at this club. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and look, uh, Connor Cochran as well. He's he's uh, dropped into the into the um, into the commentary as well, uh, saying that we need to give a little bit more coverage to Spurs. So, mate, here it is. Uh, Carlos Vinicius. He's been signed on loan plus a forty million pound option. Um, scored 18 goals last year in 30 appearances for Benfica. Um, what do you think of, of this, uh, gents? As a, I guess, really, he's going to be back up for, for Kane. Expensive backup, though, isn't it? Well, they needed a backup because, um, you know, going in with, you know, one sort of recognised striker and then you, you had your Simon Yamouras, that doesn't seem to work for the entire season. So if, if this is the, the guy Mourinho is going to sort of hitch his uh, wagon to, then, um, you know, it's... It, there's a record of guys coming in from Portugal and being being good and, and being able to manage in the Premier League, but um, yeah, it'll be. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, Kane's, Kane's in such good form at the moment, so there's a bit of pressure off. But if, if Kane goes down and Son goes down, which they usually do at some point, then everyone's mm. going to look to him. So it'll 
it'll be uh, a big shoes to fill. Yeah, and I guess once um, European games start up again, we, what we might see is uh, Vinicius even getting more game time in um, in the league, so that Kane can, uh, I guess, uh, stretch his legs in in Europe, and because uh, I guess that's that's really where we see um, Jose probably prioritising, given that um, they really need to make Champions League and and winning winning the Europa League plus. Um, uh, yeah, winning the Europa League might be their best shot at um at making uh, Champions League for next season. Well, not after uh, this big, big win, Tommy. Well, you're right. It, it may be too early to it may be too early to say yet, but um yeah, I guess we'll we'll see in over the next couple of months how that's going to pan out. Um, one final one though, George uh, Ross Barkley's gone on loan to Villa. Obviously, had a good game overnight for the villains. Um, you, you sad to see Ross leave, or you happy? Sort of don't uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah, it, he's sort of a polarizing figure, Barkley, because you know he's got the talent, and you know he really he's a real preseason absolute superstar. He's world class in preseason. You know, he scores a lot of goals, and then when you need him throughout the year, uh, he sort of you know flatters to deceive and goes in and out of games. And I think Chelsea just had slightly too much depth in in midfield, and he, he's good to have, and I think he's good enough. He's got enough caliber to play at a, a big club. He's just not never consistent enough to to sort of nail down a spot. And you, you, you're not sort of, you know, you don't want to rely on him in, in the crunch time in, in, in massive games. So, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Famous just said Aston Villa. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think I think it's a good it's a good get for Aston Villa. And, um, he, you know, he, he could sort of carry them to the next level if he stays fit. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think... At a, at a top four club, is consistent enough to 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 sort of um, nail down a spot. He could well, look straight is... on the set of uh, Peaky Blinders, so he immediately qualifies. <laughs> Him and Jack together, how about that? Yeah. It's perfect that he's going to Birmingham then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Matty Matty Cash also looked like he was a prime Peaky oh, Blinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, one final one, and look, uh, this hasn't gone through, but I think it's um, it's almost got the um, uh, the wear on here from uh, Romano, um, which is uh, uh, Cavani to Man United on a free. So, uh, just very quickly, what do you think, boom or bust, Jesse? I, I like Cavani. I mean, I know that there's some pl- some school of thought that they think that you know the game's moved on and he's not really much use anymore, but I, I, I'm very surprised that he hasn't been snapped up already. In fact, mm. when uh, Atletico were looking to bolster their ranks before Suarez, I, I'm surprised they didn't sort of go back to him. So, um, no, I'm, I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's funny because it's a man, it's a typical Man United sort of Latin signing. So in the context of that, it's, it's a bit of an interesting one, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to see he's actually going to go to a club because he's too good a player at the end of his career to just peter out and go to a, a league that we're not watching. Yeah, and, and on, on that, I don't think he's cooked yet. So, Damo, Damo's just dropped in a, a comment about Falcao 2.0. I think he's, he's, <laughs> he hasn't done his knee um, recently. So, I think I think he's got another year or two left in him. And given the uh, amount of strikers, man, you have, he'll, he won't play every week. So, he'll be, you know, be able to be deployed and, and um, you know, every second game or in Europe or something like that. So, I think he'll be decent, but I don't think he'll solve Man U's problems. Yeah. Tommy just hot off the press. I think they um they were saying well, uh, Romano was saying that uh, Eric Garcia and um who was the other Memphis. one? Uh, Memphis, Memphis are off to to Barca. So that's the other one. That that's big news, I guess. Uh, Kuman getting a, a Dutchman to join him there. So uh, 
having a little Dutch oven there, I imagine. <laughs> and and Gar- Garcia will probably be, you know, one one for the future there. I think I think he wasn't going to re-sign at City, so I think he'll just mm. slot yep. into there. You know, he might be the next um, the next PK kind of kind of off off the uh, off the ranks in a few years. But um, and he's been playing for City, so. He's obviously talented, but yeah, so it's a, a, a good good get for Barcelona when they don't have much money. So uh, I don't know about Memphis. Well, uh, yeah, Memphis will see. But um, I watched Barcelona play last night, and they they sort of had the the uh, front three of Messi, Ansu Fati, and, and Griezmann, and it sort of didn't quite work. Well, Griezmann was a bit anonymous, so maybe maybe Memphis can slot in as a false nine, and uh, Griezmann will, will drop out of the starting lineup. <laughs> What they need to do is just play three false nines up front with Griezmann, um, Depay, and, and Messi. That that would be elite. I just want to see Griezmann be rumored to go to a new club and then release the documentary called The Decision again. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, all righty. Um, on to the Premier League now, though. Adrian with a pass for Joe Gomez, which has caused all kinds of problems. And Ollie Watkins gives Aston Villa a fourth-minute lead. First contribution from Liverpool's standing goalkeeper. And it leads directly to a first Premier League goal for Villa's new striker. Brilliant. And it's Watkins trying to work the angle, and he's found the top right-hand corner. What a goal. That is why they spent the money. Two goals for Ollie Watkins in the first quarter of the game. Um, so, look, it, it was a pretty crazy round of uh, Premier League fixtures. And, look, we sometimes say that a little bit, but, look, I, I think... Um... Everyone would agree that last night was absolutely bonkers. Uh, another 41 goals were scored this round, another bag load of penalties, um, big club implosions, and probably the most bizarre one was West Ham clipped a, West Ham clipped a clean sheet. Um, sounded like a bit of a plot of a movie, and we asked our Twitter followers this afternoon uh, to give us some ideas for, for what the movie could be. Um, probably the pick of the bunch was uh, the... Uh, basically, it was a, a human a reference to, to the human centipede, and thought we'd go with the human centiprem instead. Um, some others that I came up with: uh, Jose Wars, Revenge of the Sith, uh, or Ollie, the the story of the Aston Villa player who who's never scored in the Premier League but uh, scores a hat trick in the first half against the champion. Um, just a shame. I thought that um, I was sort of going for a rocky vibe there, but. Um, it's just a shame, I guess, that the current and former America owners at, at Villa um, aren't from Philadelphia there. So, um, well, I thought you were going to drop in an Adrian reference. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it, just, it was just so obvious I couldn't see it. Uh, one final one, though, which is uh, when, when Harry met Shorey, uh, the love story of Harry Maguire meeting Luke Shaw <laughs> in the penalty box and it just uh, just feeling like fate that, that Spurs will score as a result. Oh, dear. All right, uh, look, with um, uh, with City dropping points to Leeds United, uh, Man United and Liverpool shipping six and seven goals respectively, um, boys, which which club do you think uh, should bring in Sam Allardyce to teach him how to defend? Far, far out. Um, <laughs> I, well, the, the weird thing is, is that like Liverpool just like, for me, I mean, obviously, I like I was I was most shocked about that result because of the stubbornness and the strategy. So I look at a lot of the goals that were conceded, and you just feel like that Klopp was so stubborn with his high line that he just got absolutely found out over and over again. 
uh, the Man United ones were different. Uh, where I mean, a lot of it, a lot of people would say it's because of the red card, but then just the capitulation as well. Um, I think the Harry Maguire gift that we were all referring to earlier indicates that there's a lot more going on than just um, a few issues at the back with United. They're actually key players who are worth a lot of money making ridiculous decisions. So maybe uh, Big Sam uh, might need to um, uh, be hired by Harry, which would be on top of all the legal fees he's been paying his lawyers uh, in recent and, times. Uh, boys, I don't know if you saw it, but um, Patrice Ever on uh, Sky, on the Sky coverage uh, last night, it, it's one of the the, uh, the, the all-time um, Sky sort of YouTube clips, and it's going to last for a long time. He basically said he ne- didn't want to work for Sky anymore. He wanted to quit. Uh, and he, and he, if he was going to continue, he wanted to stop doing their new games. And he was, it looked like he was breaking down live on, uh, at the end of the game and at halftime, really. It was, it was a sensation. It was more sensational than the actual game. But, um, so poor, well, we, poor Here at MTAG, we, we say that it is more than a game. So, uh, I guess it's only fitting. Um, but you're, you're right. It was, it was really strange, um, how that all played out. And not only that, but like almost the, um, uh, his co-hosts, they seemed to get real sympathetic towards him as well. Like, there, it wasn't a really jovial atmosphere in the, in the studio. I didn't get the impression. Like, everyone was kind of like, oh, geez, like, he actually sounds really upset. This is yeah. really can awkward we, now. Can we, actually quit. Yeah. Can, we all, can we all just put this in perspective, though? This is the same guy who was filmed live on on, uh, on on Twitter about a year ago just licking a chicken, like a raw chicken. I mean, you know... If, if I think Sky knew what they were shipping in when they, uh, when they signed that contract, they wanted the positivity. They wanted the positive. He said he kept saying, "I'm a really positive guy." And it, it, didn't sound real positive oh, though, did he? No, fuck me. <laughs> All right. Um, look, if there was one thing I thought about that, it was uh, I guess the the lack of talk about um, Spurs as a result of that, like like Connor was saying in the comments. Um, but look, we'll we'll come back to to that um, Man United Spurs game because I don't think that was the big result of the round. I think the big result was the was the, the champions. No, uh, look, I'm I'm sorry, Jesse, you're getting thrown under the bus here. Um, The West Ham result was massive, but uh, Villa, like we said, uh, they were what uh, only stayed up on goal difference or or by one point, uh, knocking over the champions, not just uh, by a little bit, but absolutely tonking them. Um, This was, I mean, just a bizarre football match. And I mean, Liverpool have even been in pretty decent form this season. So, um, Couple of couple of things. Villa were even Villa were up four one at half time, and I think even at that point, um, you're thinking, oh, we're just hoping that they can they can win the second half. But but Liverpool didn't even win the second half. They they lost the second half three one as well. Um, so like just completely bizarre match. Um, a first half hat trick from Ollie Watkins, um, a pair for Grealish, and a debut goal for Ross Barkley. If that's probably the ultimate sign of how bad Liverpool were in this one. Um, Jesse, where where did it all go wrong? Oh, it's it's you could write an essay, um, but to be honest, um, I think uh, similar to the Spurs situation, I think you first of all you have to credit Villa for executing a great game plan. Um, they were brave, um, even when they were up by a goal or two, they kept going for it. And um, I, I, I've been a massive advocate for that in the past when we've talked about City being unbeatable uh, in the in the past couple of years. I've always been really pissed off when I see teams just roll over in front of a team that's top of the table and sort of say, oh. You know, we're just going to struggle for a point. I, I like seeing teams have a go and sort of, and, and you and you see some of these results where they can really show their stuff. I think the psychology of going down by a couple of goals is something that Liverpool hasn't had to deal with for for a long time, and uh, they didn't respond in a good way. In fact, they were 
uh, that borderline arrogant with the um, you could you could you could attest that to Klopp as well as the players. They didn't want to change what they were doing. They wanted to stay the same way. Um, they wanted to sort of control the game with the possession, which has been their sort of signature thing for the last couple of years. But Villa weren't interested in possession. They just wanted to break on the counter as quick as possible. Um, and it really just goes to show the modern game is not about just um, passing the ball around. It's about being efficient with your chances. And, and, and Villa, to their credit, were very, very um, effective with their chances. And it's really interesting, actually, when you, you break down the goals on that game because, yes, there are like three or so de- deflections, which is quite unfortunate. Um, but it's like the opposite of re- what happened to Brighton the other day. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. But um, but at the same time, they were in those positions. They, they created the opportunities and they were just so effective. And it's really interesting. It is like a game of FIFA where once you go down about, by about four goals, you just throw everyone forward trying to make some sort of respect on the scoreline. And all those goals from about four on upwards, um, you have to question whether or not they would occur if you went 4-0 down in the first place. Um, so it, it gets pretty messy once you get to four or five goals. It's kind of um, pretty, pretty dark um, okay. place. And if, if Klopp was playing FIFA, is, is that what went wrong uh, at the very end where Adrian just went, went missing for, I think it was uh, when <laughs> Watkins hit the crossbar? When he was trying to play out the back as well. The, the I- <laughs> Adrian, um, Adrian frustrates me because uh, one thing that a lot of people swept under the carpet is, is, is when we went out to Atletico in the Champions League last year was just how poor he was. We, we just got back to a point where we were going to potentially take that tie mm. and um, he, he had a really poor clearance from the back, if you remember, and, and Atletico just pounced and scored a couple of quick goals to take the tie. So um, that was a real, like, carious moment from him. And he has never looked really like he's got the uh, cons- consistency that we need. And now Allison's out till uh, late November. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good for Jesse, the rest of the league. Good for the Jesse, rest of the league. Jesse, what, what if I put this to you, that this has been threatening to, to happen since, since, the, uh, since the restart, really, because Liverpool's high line is just giving, giving chances away every single opportunity that they can get, and and they've been very lucky, I think, of late. I think they, well, they, I mean, they, they, yeah, they could have conceded, not not possibly this many, but you know, four or five goals in in a lot of games, you know, just the way they've been defending. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, I mean, when you support a team, you you obviously watch things a lot closer than um, people that are just watching it from a neutral perspective. And for me. Uh, you're shitting yourself every time that high line is applied anyway, because otherwise you're just waiting for the offside uh, flag, hopefully to go up. Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think that they were exposed by Leeds. Um, yeah. They've been exposed by Arsenal a few times before they beat them last week. Um, so I, I think that the key thing is, is that football is moving at a rapid um, rate of knots. Uh, teams are trying to change and be the ones to, to trailblaze a new style. And I think that Liverpool's idea was that we're going to do this high line Bayern was sensational at it in the um, Champions League. But then you've got Everton now who are top of the league and they're putting players uh, deep. And that's what their, their way of solving the um, defensive woes. So it just seems like it's moving so fast that once you come up with a new trend, another team does their homework and they figure it out. And then you've got to, you've got to adapt. And I think that the stubbornness from Liverpool last night and, as I said, borderline arrogance uh, is, is why they got tonked by seven goals.
Yeah. I think there's some there's some parallels there between I think City and Liverpool struggling um, this weekend with uh, I guess we're we're seeing that teams have not necessarily figured out um, how to play against that high pressing game, but they they know that there is a way to play against it. I guess and and that's um if, if you can get through that that first line of press, um, then you're you're probably going to be up against a high line and you're really you're a decent chance for a counter-attack then and and, and we've seen that that the teams are i guess not only are thinking that's how they can play but also training about how how they can counter-attack through that and so um we're finding now that not only that have they they figured out the theory but they figured out the practice as well so um look it only makes for, for more exciting viewing i think for all the for the, all of us um, but look, it's it's going to be a very even league this season, I guess. And we saw um, uh, Mane was missing uh, through COVID, and I guess we're only going to see more of this already. We've had Laporte, and um, there was someone else missing from from City as well recently Mara's. as well. Yeah, and West Ham had a few few players out as well recently. But um, yeah, look, it only makes only makes the league more interesting, I think. So yeah, look, bring it on, I guess. And I, and I think it goes to show how big a big an influence Allison is. Uh, on on Liverpool because you know you, you mentioned Carrius and and we're going back to those days where Liverpool had almost the same team with without Allison and and the, the difference he he made um, and he yeah made. big time and and we'll see we'll see how how if, if and how Van Dyke responds to you know having the pressure on him because he hasn't he hasn't been great of late as well so. Just another comment though on on Villa's midfield though because they were critical on this game and McGinn just bossed it. Um, and yeah, we just we just got overrun in the midfield. I mean, I know that we didn't have a goalkeeper that was probably up to it, um, but I mean, there were so many other areas of the pitch where oh, you could sort of yeah, you could see the midfield was getting um, crushed, which is um, again like uh, one of the things that Klopp said in his aftermatch uh, interview, which uh, you enjoyed, Tommy, was uh, it looked like Villa just wanted it more, <laughs> and um, I think I think that's really interesting because that that's that's basically the kind of thing that um, Liverpool's. Um, Game is based on intensity and wanting it more. So to be out wanted more, um, found, found wanting, found wanting, or un, uh, not wanting enough, I suppose. <laughs> not wanting enough. <laughs> um, but you know, in, in the context of the league, I think it's actually you know you were saying this morning, George, you're taking it pretty well. I mean, the funny thing about this league is is points in the bank is the most important thing. So we managed to get through a few weeks getting some wins. We've been tonked. Um, but if we go to Goodison next week and somehow pull a result out of our ass, um, then everything's okay again. And I think with COVID, like you said, Tommy, um, you just need to bank a draw or a win when you can. Uh, it doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't have to be an attractive way. Um, and if you lose, well, you've got to move on real quick because the, the, the league is just so relentless right now. Indeed. Speaking of moving on, uh, Men United also uh, had a, a really great result, though, uh, not so much. Uh, in the the battle of the counter attacks, uh, I thought this one they they could have marketed this one as as Vader versus Luke or or teams that are that are good but not really that good. Um, boys, in in this one, uh, I guess we got to see the the full gamut of uh, top four teams or uh, top six teams these days that um, that yeah can can do some good things, but also. I mean, on their day, are also capable of the the horrendous as well. And um, Harry Maguire, I guess, led the the horrendous brigade in this one. Um, we've already mentioned about how he he fouled Shaw basically in in the lead up for uh, Dombele's uh, goal, which I mean, that was just some of the worst um, 
uh, Premier League defending or even football defending. I think I've seen it sort of uh, at professional level. Um, I, I did say just before we jumped on here, and I apologize, I don't credit for, for this tweet, but um, someone said, um, oh, imagine being one of those people that, that won't watch the A-League because um, the, the defending or the, the standard's not very good. And, and then you see that between two, two of the supposed best teams in the world. I mean, yeah, wow. I think but look, um, cool, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, uh, I'm going to assume that he's a he or she is a, a new listener, Bamsey Treso. He wants to know, uh, look, did uh, when did Man United ever have a strong defence? Um, uh, they need threat and attack. Football science when attack shit, defence shambles. So look, boys, uh, when was the last time you think that Man United actually did have a good defence? Maybe well, was Mourinho the coach when the, the year they 2017 18 when they when they came second. But um, yeah, the funny thing about this game, boys, was you know Manu actually took the lead like one nil one nil at the start of the game. I know it was very early, like thirty seconds in. Twenty nine seconds, yeah, yeah, <laughs> close. But um, yeah, you, you'd think with a with a with a one nil, you could kind of just um, manage the game a little bit better. And 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 uh, but no, so. Uh, well, well, I mean, I'd love to have seen the odds of, of going 1-0 up in the first 30 seconds and then losing the amount they did. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, and I guess, um, boys, the, the, the big turning point in this match was the the Martial red card, though. Um, as bad as some of the, the Man United defending might have been sort of in the lead-up for that, and, and they were down 2-1 uh, when Martial yeah, was sent off. I kind of disagree, Tommy. I think they were, they were copying it. Anyway, like they were down two one. Spurs were having chance upon chance to to make it make it three, and then obviously the the red card, and, and I'll let you sort of go into that. But I don't well, I mean, change the result. That it, it was a king hit. That, 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 that hit was a king hit. He could have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, look, I'm, I'm going to stick with this, George, because I, I think um, I I got to say I could totally disagree with you because um, like whilst uh, Spurs might have been in 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 good good form and and like they, they showed how clinical they can be uh, and the, how good that combination between Kane and Son is at the moment. I, I'm not sure it blows out in the same way that it um, that it did if Martial stays on the pitch. I think they, I don't think the heads drop in the same way that they ended up doing. I, I think they, the, the, the desire still remains to some degree. And I think we might've seen something more like it, maybe a three, two or a three, um, or yeah, a three-two. I think Spurs are still going to win even with Martial on the field, but uh, I, I don't think it blows out like it did in that second half um, with Martial still on the pitch. The heads had dropped anyway, but uh, I, I take your point. We'll never know. But I, I thought the heads heads had already the heads were already gone after going two-one down and in a barrage of um, Spurs attacks. But what did you guys think of the red? Yeah, I. I, I... I find that these kind of reds pretty tough because I sort of think to myself, like, um, I know that they have zero tolerance on it, but it it, it is a bit of a farce um, when you see it like that. But at the same time, he's got to make, he's he's got to not do that. Um, yeah. You know, everyone everyone knows what the rule is, and he does it anyway. So I just find I I think that you know that he's you know that legally he's done the wrong thing, but you also know internally that it is a bit farcical because as we've talked about recently on the pod to do with penalties and other things, the ultimate punishment when you lose a player uh, changes the game entirely. Is, is this the football equivalent of losing your license for being 4Ks over the speed limit? Or maybe jaywalking. <laughs> jaywalking, yeah. yeah. L- losing your driver's license for jaywalking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, that sort of thing could only possibly happen in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But um, look, we've already talked. Talk- you guys have the opinion that if Martial went, Lamella should have gone as well. Oh, look. Uh, I think it was one of those situations where probably giving both players a yellow card is is probably the right way to go. Um, uh, look, I, I think um, I, can, I can understand the um, the the rationale for sending off Martial, though, uh, and I'm I'm not surprised the way that it panned out. But I mean, if it's your club, if you're a Man United fan, you, you're still going to be dirty about that decision because it is it's soft. But at the end of the day, it's it's stupid as well by Martial. Like, so it's, 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 just it's don't do it. Brings a new meaning to false nine, isn't it? When your your nine <laughs> disappears entirely. Um, and, and, the invisible and, nine. <laughs> the invisible nine. And to be fair, with uh, Martial's uh, form so far this season, he might as well not have been on the pitch anyway. So, <laughs> I, I, so I suppose Man United haven't really lost anything there. Indeed, indeed. But look, uh, with this result, Man United slumped to sixteenth. Um, and, and let's not forget that the only uh, the only three points that they do have this season, and they don't have any draws, their three points came against Brighton, where they got the win literally after full time had already blown. So, um, yeah, things are pretty grim, I guess, at Man United at the moment. And whilst it might be um, it might be uh, deadline day in the UK today uh, for you, George, um, I'm not necessarily sure that. And I've I've been saying this for a while. Like I don't think Ole's really up to the job, and I think it's just a matter of time before someone says. Hey, like this is this is an elite level squad. They've poured money into it for for years now. Like, shouldn't they be doing better than? I mean, not just now, but even last season. Like, they had a pretty decent squad, and they still only just sort of managed to jag third on on the final day of the season when when I don't think they'd been in the, the top four for I mean for seventy eighty percent of the season. So uh, I think they were very lucky um, and and really only were able to get into the top four because of Leicester shooting the bed sort of after the restart as well. Just going um, back to the, the original question though, when he was asking about the defence and 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 one of the things I criticise Man United mostly about is the recruitment because it's just it, it's they are an advertisement for really poor recruitment. They just they recruit the wrong people at the wrong time and let go of the right players and and wrong players and they bring in Sanchez and then he goes into it's just they 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 are a, a model that you should not follow if you want to be successful and to me to be honest going back to the defense you're probably right like going back way back to the Neville brothers and stuff like that they haven't had a decent defense for a very long time but <laughs> but, but the truth is is that the the if you look at like we've just talked about Everton and we'll talk about them in a second these teams now need to be able to play out from the back and they need to be able to uh counter-attack and that was one of the great things that Man United used to be able to do. And if they can't even do that, then they're they're losing their identity. That's 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 probably the biggest issue Man United has at the moment is they they have no identity, um, and that's like seen in the way the players um, sort of drop their heads once they've uh, gone down. They haven't got that sort of tenacious fighting spirit which a lot of Man United fans would be wanting to see from their players. So. Yeah, yeah. seen that as well. But look, look at look at the last four managerial appointments as well. They've gone from uh, what Moyes, who was um, Charles's sort of anointed uh, successor, then they went to Vengal, who is a completely different manager, and then they went to Jose, who's completely different again, and then they mm-hmm. went to Ole. I mean, like there's there's no plan there, and then there hasn't been a plan at Man United for ten years, and, and that's how you get. Well, yep. yeah, I guess at least under Jose and, and Van Hal, like there there was a plan. It just wasn't wasn't no, particularly successful, and they they didn't necessarily have the players 
in which to to do what the the manager i guess wanted um who was it um I mean, I would say the, the plan was for Moyes to take over and, and manage for, for the next, you know, however many years. And the minute mm. they ripped that up, everything else has been done on the fly. And yeah, know. and then the guy, then the guy left his, uh, his his partner at home with a baby and moved to China for a big money move. Sorry, I got the wrong Moy. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. And and I was going to say, like, huh? who's he talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I missed that one. And I was going to say, it doesn't look like apart from sort of Bruno. There aren't any leaders there. There's just there's no leadership on the field. Like, well, remember, um, Maguire was meant to be the leader, and and he just seems to be a shell of himself at the moment. And I guess I don't know how much of the, um, of the the Greece thing is sort of playing a bit of a role in that. But I mean, like the the problem I guess with United is over the last couple of years is is players, good players, seem to go there, and you think, oh yeah, good player. Like I think this is going to work out, and and they get worse after they arrive. And, and that's a sign that there's something sort of rotten there, isn't it? That the the good players. The shirt. The shirt. <laughs> the shirt. <laughs> you put the shirt on and it's just too much for them. They just don't want it enough. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, two teams that did uh, want it enough was uh, Leeds and Man City um, with uh, uh, Bielsa and Pep reuniting. Uh, they seemed like a bit of a... Uh, two two love struck lovers uh, seeing each other for the first time in a long time. It's a little bit weird, but I mean, everyone. There, there's lots of coaches out there that really love Bielsa, so um, another way it was kind of touching as well. But um, look, if uh, if if Ole and Jose was um, uh, Luke and Vader, um, who was this? Who was Pep and who was Pep and Bielsa meeting again? You, you, you've got me there, Tommy. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't watch. I don't read it or watch enough, uh, you know, romance uh, movies <laughs> to be able to draw a parallel. Maybe that is definitely know. a lie. I reckon you. Maybe I reckon you watch a lot of rom coms. <laughs> well, maybe more of a Dawson's Creek kind of vibe here, um, Tommy. Um, Pacey and I forgot the other character's name. Um, but uh, anyway, someone, maybe one of the listeners can tell me who. Um, no, it's Dawson, wasn't it? Dawson himself. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know the guy who the show's named after? The show's named after him. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, this podcast, you know, it has no limits. I mean, we've gone to the Power Rangers, we've gone to the Planeteers, and now we've got Dawson's Creek in there as well. So, um, you yeah. Know. Also, shoehorned in a, when Harry met Sally uh, reference today as well. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty much just a. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty much a pop culture podcast now as well as a football podcast. Um, but look, uh, pretty pretty wild game this one. I mean, the, the scoreline was only 1-1. Um, George, you already mentioned about KDB's free kick um, early on that almost uh, snuck past Meslier. But um, this this game could have been an advert for, I guess, the or a long advert for the for the Premier League or for, for Gang and Press because it was just 100 miles an hour for 95 minutes. It was... It was lots of fun, but it was exhausting to watch because um, there was just there was no there were no breaks. Like they couldn't cut to highlights because something was always happening, and it was it was just awesome to watch. A uh, couple of couple of debuts for for City though. You had uh, Ruben Diaz. Um, Jesse, I'll let you throw a little bit of mayo on that in a, in a second. Uh, and Ferran Torres, uh, he also made his debut. Um, boys, what did you think of of their de- respective debuts? Corbin Dish. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, pretty solid considering that I feel like he'd been in England for about three days three or something. Days, two days. Yeah. So, yeah. so 
the conditions were a bit rough as well, so you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have yeah wouldn't have um, wouldn't have had much time to acclimatize. Kudos to uh, a lot of the teams that played on the weekend. Um, you were saying George and 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 where the chat gets a mention here. <laughs> um, it was teaming with rain. It seems doesn't matter. It didn't seem to matter if you're in Merseyside, the Midlands, or London. It was absolutely pouring down in the UK on the weekend. So um, uh, impressive that they played that kind of football. Um, with the ball zipping along. But uh, I, I think this game, Tommy, for me, the highlight was just, um, as you say, the relentlessness and the uh, how stoic they were with tactics. We just talked before about how it can be a bad thing if you're stubborn with your tactics um, if you're getting tonked. But uh, this was a great example of just an absolute uh, arm wrestle that they just refused to back down. And um, love them or hate them uh, with leads, you just have to appreciate a team that just refuses to um as i say as i said before do a norwich and just keel over um they just it was just sensational watching some of the overlaps and i think one of the most pleasing things about watching leads at the moment is that um you know they're pouring forward and most counter-attack teams just sort of go in a v and give you a couple of options either way and, mm. and the thing is with like Leeds is they just sort of just, you have Dallas and Aileen just sort of just sitting next to the mid player. And then you've got sort of Banford making a run that way. And they all sort of just sort of seem to just rotate around each other. They might as well be the solar system of football teams. <laughs> um, and it's, it's actually, it's just really interesting to watch. It's, as you say, uh, as you said before, Tommy, it's absorbing viewing and, and it's good for the Premier League. So um, yeah, long back so, continue. Yeah. Leeds have given Liverpool problems now. They've now given City problems. Um, so you know they can attack. But I think any time I see Ben Mendy on the uh, team sheet, uh, I oh think, god, I think uh, my team's going to have a chance. That, uh, I've got to say, I've even put it down in the notes about um, the battle between Helder Costa and Ben Mendy. Um, I, I thought that was really fun to watch because I mean neither of them were particularly good defending, and both were 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 pretty good going forward. I mean um, Helder Costa just could not cope with Benjamin Mendy and, and his big size, and I just couldn't get the ball off of him whenever um, Mendy went forward. Um, it, it was it was. It was it was absorbing watching, and I mean, a lot of the ball went down that side for both teams. So it meant that it was a real battle between those two particular players. Guys, tell me the um, is it who, who is it? Padeva? Who was the who was the guy who came on at halftime on the right wing? I think you're right. Yeah, but uh, I can't say his name. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was brilliant, and it was a real signal of intent from Leeds when he came on, and the first touch he just dribbled dribbled past like three blokes. Uh, I think he earned a corner or maybe got fouled and. Um, yeah, just it just he really exhibited that kind of confidence um, that the, the t- whole team has at the moment. So. Real, real silky, like dribbler vibes as well, like sort of almost like Berbatov sort of sort of vibes, but he was a little bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, was, but look, it was one of those games where like Sterling could have had six, but he he, he did you know he just didn't have his sort of shooting boots on. I, I thought so. Yeah, and uh, I mean, also Leeds like they they did work very hard defensively to to get the block in whenever like the, yeah. there was a bit of a chance it fell to someone like Sterling. And uh, I mean, from that perspective, it it didn't feel like City like made a whole bunch of chances sort of go to waste. And so I I thought look Le- I thought Leeds were very good for a point, and it was probably a fair result in the end. So um, well played for for them. But look, it, it did only give uh, or it does leave City with after three matches, one win, one draw one loss and puts them in 14th place with a negative goal difference as well so um yeah it's not just um not just the red half of manchester that that are battling at the moment um one thing that uh, i thought was a little bit curious out of this was that um i mentioned the pace of the game and how it just didn't seem to stop 
Um, there were a couple of occasions where the referee uh, just basically uh, waved on play on because the advantage like went to the to the opposition team. Like for example, there was one one occasion where uh, I think it was Bamford was offside and he had a had a shot on goal. Edison saved it, and the the linesman's flagging saying yeah it's offside. But um, by this point, Edison's already saved it, and City just played on. And the referee went. Okay, happy with that. And like by this point, um, City had a had the advantage and and were good for good to counter. And it, it was just bizarre. I don't think I've ever really seen that. Where um, at least on two occasions, yeah, like the um, the the team who would normally take the offside, they just were told, "Yep, play on." Like didn't matter that there was there was no real advantage gain. So go on, just just keep going. Bizarre. Um, the other thing, uh, the other stat that I want to drop is that um, City have lost their last ten games. Uh, sorry, la- sorry, they've lost ten of their last thirty-six games, um, and, and they've really fallen off a very high perch from from that point where they scored. Uh, they got up, what was it over a hundred points in a season just uh, just two seasons ago. So. Um, yeah, there's, there's something not quite right at City. I guess Jesse and I, we talked about that um, uh, last week about sort of the lack of leadership there and not necessarily sure that uh, Diash and, and Torres are going to solve uh, solve those problems. But look, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun in the meantime, mate. Um, another club that's uh, got problems but is also a hell of a lot of fun to watch is is George's Chelsea at the moment. Um, they, uh... Clean sheet, boys. Clean sheet. <laughs> How about that? Mate, this... this... This match honestly was bizarre because I didn't think Chelsea played particularly well. Yet they managed to win four 0 which I mean, I'm sure you were probably happy with the result. But look, George, were you happy with the way that Chelsea played in this match? Uh, I don't think they played great, to be honest. Uh, but I don't think Palace did anything at all. I, I, I couldn't even. I was scratching my head my three quarters of the game through through three quarters of the game, trying to remember when Palace got it past halfway. So I just didn't think that Palace showed up and it played into Chelsea's hands. Yeah. I, I will say that I thought their defending was looked much more solid and I'm going to put that down to Ben Chilwell, who attacked really well and got his goal. But I think he gave us a lot of balance in, in that back four and and, it, and, and maybe the, having the keeper there as well. Um, uh, maybe the new keeper was also... Um, Important and Zuma had a good game alongside Thiago Silva. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to draw too many conclusions from this game because I think Palace were just dog shit. I agree uh, with that. I watched this as well, George, and I thought Palace was absolute dog shit. Um, yeah. I think it, it really, it really showed where the game was going to head when um, Wolf Saha. Uh, was just buffing a red ball as he went on the pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it sort really of. Sp- Made me feel like maybe the whole team was hung over and they certainly played like that. Um, also with Shilwell, um, uh, yeah, with that slick, slick hairstyle. Um, <laughs> bit, of, bit, of, bit of brill cream in there. Uh, I told you, when, when he moved to London, he's, he's got to sharpen up, Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we talked about this in the group chat, a bit of shield cream, um, as yeah. we call it now. And, and, yeah. and he, looks, he, he looks sharp. I mean, he looks smart. I, I think that, I think, I don't know if it's just the classic when they have a left foot, they look better thing. Yeah. But, but the thing about a good left back, and I mean, I've been lucky to have obviously Robertson in the team and for a long time. But if you have a good left back, they just if if they're an advanced left back, particularly, it's just very satisfying because they can tie so much together when you've got a good left foot on that on that side. So he, he looks like a really good addition. Balance, and and I would, the only other thing I'll I'll say about Chelsea's performance, we can talk about the the Tammy Abraham Jorginho thing because that was quite funny. 
But um, <laughs> Hudson Adoy looked pretty good. And 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 just on transfer chat, I, I know Bayern have put a bid in for him. Um, but mm. Lampard at this stage, Lampard said he wants him in the team. But it's up to it's up to Hudson Adoy whether he, he almost wants to stay this season. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was really good and, and just really dynamic, and we were kind of lacking that that sort of um, guy with that sort of attacking impetus. So it'll be um, one to watch in terms of whether he stays or goes, especially with Zayat coming coming in. Um, yeah, I think it. I, I think it's a great idea if uh, Hudson Odoi goes out on loan, but Bayern probably isn't the ideal place for him to go because uh, something tells me he's not going to get more game time there than he will at Chelsea. Yeah, but in saying that, though, Tommy, I mean, Bayern are known for taking, you know, great academy prospects out of London and turning them into world beaters um, and pop- popping them on the wing as well. Um, and they, so... you know, Bayern usually sort of have three to four wingers. Like, they've got, they've always got two wide men and then one or, one or two of them always get subbed off. So you, you, you're always going to have a chance to play. Mm. Whereas Chelsea, I'm not sure every week that they'll be playing with... with or needing a, 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 a winger like that when there's there's other guys, you know, you got your poor six and your Zayaches and your Werners, Timo Werners playing out wide, which is interesting with Tammy Abraham up front. So Yeah, and, and look that's that's something I've got in my notes about uh Werner and uh Havertz and and uh, I guess Mount and like there's, I think Lampard's got a real um, handful on his uh, on his plate um, in terms of. Um, not only mixed metaphors, but also how to fit all of those players into into a coherent starting eleven. And I think that front three or front four is just a bit of a mess at the moment. And I think he needs to figure out how he's going to fit them all onto the onto the same team. Because uh, I mean, uh, for example, I, I think Werner is is um, is actually now that I've seen him a bit more of uh, of his his play, I think he would be really well suited to to playing for for Liverpool off of the left because I, I think uh, at the moment where um, Chelsea are trying to play a far more advanced um, player in basically in the ten slot. I, I think that's not really working for for Werner because it's taking away some of the space that that he would normally run into, right? Um, and I also think I'm not sure that Tammy and and uh, Werner can can play very well together because uh, again, you've got too many people yeah. trying to operate in the same space, and and, and it's just not. I, I don't think it's working particularly well. And, and yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say, Tommy, is you, know, you, can, you can't judge you can't judge it because not everyone's there's no one no one's actually played together. Like Pulisic is. We're talking about mate. They've played four games together. Yeah, yeah. They, they, he's <laughs> chopped and changed the midfield. The, everyone's position. Like I, I, I don't want to jump to conclusions till you know. I totally agree that it's it is it. It is very early days, and and look, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Because um, I mean, I, I just uh, talk talk shit on a podcast. I'm I'm not a football manager, uh, at least not professionally. And so, um, look, I, I'm happy to wait and see. But look, I guess I, I don't have particularly high hopes. I think um, <laughs> some someone out of that four is going to need to be sacrificed in order to yeah, make this into a more coherent. Um, watching uh, that game, watching that game, I actually think that there's a lot of chat about building this team around habits, and that continues to be the the narrative in the media. But I actually think you build the team around Werner, and you put him up front. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Like this is what Leipzig did, and Leipzig did it effectively. And he's a player that we all know that leads the line for Germany, and he's a brilliant player. And he's out on the left because you've got Tammy Abraham up front. Now, no offense to Tammy, but he's got to make way, and you've got to have Werner up the front, and then you've got to obviously when you've got your full strength lineup back, you're going to have Pulisic on one wing and Ziyech on the other. 
yeah. Havertz, Havertz saw, that, that fig, the, the whole Havertz thing figures itself out because he can just float between the two sides and there's no sort of central, um, like he doesn't have to stay central. But Werner has to be up the front in that scenario. To, to get the best out of Havertz, you've got to have Werner up front. So the, 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 it's, a, it's a great example of like, Shilwell comes back, that was an issue. And finally, you start to see that area of the pitch start to improve. So it'll probably be incredibly noticeable when they get Pulisic back on the pitch as well as Ziyech. But I agree with you, Tommy. Uh, in the meantime, it's 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 just a crime seeing Werner out on the left and sort of having to just feed Tammy. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, he did start the first few games up, up front. I think maybe we just didn't have the cattle on the park to... Yeah, no one's feeding him. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there was another tweet that I saw uh, over the over the weekend, which I thought really summed up Lampard and also Ole, which is that um, there, there's no plan, there's no tactics, it's just it's just vibes and and good hopes. Um, what it is, Tommy, was... is it McFlurry FC? Basically, you've gone to the ice cream <laughs> shop, you've said, "I'm just going to get some caramel sauce over my vanilla ice cream," and then you get there and there's good sprinkles, and you go, oh, "I'm just going to have a bit of Havertz, I'm going to have a bit of Werner." <laughs> I'm just going to throw in a little bit of ZH or fuck it. And then you get to the end of it and you just full of regret because you've just gone too far. You've put too much on what was already a, a good thing. So I think Lampard's got a bit of the McFlurry about him where um, sometimes he just needs to keep it simple and maybe overcomplicates a, uh, a good thing. Regrets FC. I, yeah, I don't have the, the number in front of me, but uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think we've had this, the same starting lineup. You know, it, it, there's been a mix and match the whole time Lampard's been managing. So yeah, I think I think some consistency will be good, and and you know, with guys coming back and, and the defense looking a bit more solid. Um, yeah, the the, the only other uh, transfer thing I'd would, I would say about Chelsea is yeah, it looks like Rudiger will go, which is you know, no it's bizarre. No one, no one predicted that at the start of the season. So. Just a quick word from uh, Zoom, uh, from NASA, actually. NASA's still uh, yet to confirm if Zoom has come back down from a couple of his hitters. Um, <laughs> Man, it gets, the guy gets some height, huh? Impressive. Yeah, he's, looking, he's looking good. He's looking good. Yeah, another team that's looking good at the moment, though, is, uh, is my West Ham. They're looking very good at the moment. Two successive clean sheets and seven goals scored. So, uh, yeah, things are looking pretty good at the moment for... Um, for Moyes, who's been working from home very successfully of late. Um, another goal for Michael Antonio takes him to 10 goals uh, since the Premier League restart earlier in the year, uh, equal with Danny Ings and Raheem Sterling. So, um, yeah, look, uh, full confession uh, time, fellas. Um, I actually missed the first uh, first goal yeah, of the I first, saw, I think, I 20 minutes. Because I, I sent you a message on the group chat and it was just radio silence. So <laughs> I think it was only yeah. demo up. Yeah, so um, like what was it? Ten o'clock kickoff, and um, I was um, I think I was ten ten minutes until the completion of like the episode of Game of Thrones that I was watching. So so I missed the first twenty minutes of the game, and yeah, I switched on and went, "Holy shit! Like we're winning, we're winning two nil." And also uh, missed or, the whole Game of Thrones uh, thing anyway, because you're probably a, a few years late now. <laughs> no, this, I'm, I'm rewatching it. This is different. Uh, rewatching it. That uh, makes it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> West Ham is hitting you hard. <laughs> but let's be honest, mate. Like I'm pretty sure I expected a bloodbath, uh, even even worse than uh, Game of Thrones when I was going to be tuning into West Ham versus Leicester. So, um, well, but, at the end it, of the day, you know the 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 West Ham uh, attack sort of overran Leicester like the Dothraki, um, and you know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's plenty of other Game of Thrones uh, metaphors I could bring in there, but. Um, Come yeah. on, mate, just shoehorn in an Irons reference. Come on, you know you want to. 
Yeah, no, it was it was it was impressive, uh, Tommy, and, and and this is a real um a, re- a great example of how how a difference in a couple of weeks in football um, can be because it, when, when we were just quoting a couple of weeks ago, oh, this is the worst time to be a West Ham fan ever. Um, they were putting out surveys to the fans. I think I think it was a bleak eight percent who had hope for the club this year. Yep. Um, uh, what a, what a couple of uh, results can I mean? How much can that change the mood amongst the um, the, the the fans. Well, it has, and and look, I think um, generally speaking, fans are really happy with how the team is playing at the moment. I think um, when, when we saw the uh, the draw, and yeah, we had Newcastle first, but then there were seven games against, uh, or six games against the the like top six teams. I thought, oh shit, we're we're not going to get our first points until um, until what like November or something, and, and it was a real fear. But I mean, uh, the, the team's playing really well. I mean, uh, you got Declan Rice of, of House West Ham who who's doing really well at the moment. And Tommy um, Fornells actually had a good game, and he's been yeah, okay. Yeah, look, so. I, I think um, Fornells has had a pretty rough trot, I think, at West Ham because, like, um, when when Moyes came in last season, he he was pretty much playing Moyes, uh, sorry, um, uh, Fornells off of the left, and uh, like he's not a left midfielder, right? Um, but look, I, I think he stride really hard, and he's he, I think he definitely has a fantastic attitude, and you see him, he, he works his ass off, he's good technically, and you, you see he's sort of slowly coming up to speed with the league, and it's physicality and having come from Spain, I, I think he's um, he's starting to fit in really well. And I mean, um, you just got to check out the um, check out the commentary uh, associated with his his first touch to to bring down that ball um, just before he scored as well. I think um, the fans are starting to appreciate him as well. So um, it's great, and, and I think that a midfield three of, of Fornals, um, Rice, and Suchek. That, that's a great midfield three, I think, for, for many teams in the league. So, um, yeah, look, just hope, I guess, that they, they can keep up this form while while Moyes uh, stays at home and hopefully it uh, doesn't all just turn to shit once Moyes uh, comes back to the office. Well, as long as uh, Mikel Antonio keeps scoring, I think the, the Hammers will be okay. But the, the goals are coming from plenty of places at the moment. I mean, um, this was Jared Bowen's uh, third third goal in two games as well. So um, it's not just Antonio at the moment. Um, there's, a, there's a great meme, though, of uh, uh, another player who's, who's working really hard for West Ham at the moment, Michael Antonio, who's um, as soon as West Ham get the ball, he just like runs off into the distance. Um, uh, yeah, made me smile. But um, like the, the team are working really hard for each other at the moment. And, and even... Um, uh, what's his name? The, the Paraguayan centre back, name escapes me at the moment. Who, who's playing really well at the moment, and, and he's a player that looked totally bereft of confidence um, probably six months ago. So, um, Balbuena, that's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. Uh, and and even, I thought even he had a, a pretty solid game. So, um, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully they can keep this up. Yeah, because I've still got what? Sorry, mate. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, West Ham were great, and Vardy was a doubt for the game. So maybe, maybe that. Didn't quite look his uh, usual, usual uh, sharp self. So maybe that made, made a big impact. Didn't have a, didn't have a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, because Zahar had already drunk them all. Yeah, I'd taken them all. So. Um. All right. Uh, yeah, look, I think it speaks volumes about the weekend uh, and the, I guess, the crazy results. The fact that uh, Everton just went on and won their fourth game in a row and they're top of the league and they were, what, like fifth or sixth on our run sheet. Um, another another weekend and another Everton win. It's just the, the kazoo vibes are, are doing the business at the moment. Um it's their best start to to a season since uh, since the eighteen hundreds. Once you take into consideration their their league cup form as well, but um, 
no Allen and no Andre Gomez this weekend, but seemingly no worries for Everton as they they took all three points away from uh, from Brighton. Um, we, we've been talking about Brighton, I guess, a fair bit this season, but they don't really have a little hell of a lot to show for some pretty solid performances, though. Bit of a worry for for Potter, or very disappointing for Brighton. Like uh, I watched this game quite closely um, because I was one of the brave few who substituted um, uh, Hamas Rodriguez out for Trossard uh, in my FPL team. Oh. Um, as you can see, that went really well. Um, Trossard still got an assist, a very dubious assist, but um, I was watching this game very closely, Tommy, and, and one of the good things about that is I can report back on uh, on some of the uh, things that Brighton did really poorly. They were they had a number of corners in this game, and for some reason the brief was we're going to take every corner short, including oh. their free kicks, and it was like the commentators were picking up on it and they were saying, why are you doing it? You've, this is like you, you aren't having many chances to go forward use these opportunities. You got Lewis dunk mm. up in the box waiting for the ball. Yeah. He never got it. Um, it was just some very questionable tactics. And in the same way that we've criticized Klopp for, for his, his tactics and not changing them, you, you have to criticize Potter. I mean, I really like Potter, but I just don't really get what um, he was trying to achieve by just doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, Trossard's mm. standing over the dead ball and and he and he's got a great a, a great whip cross in him. And, and, he, and he, I don't think he even, he even got a cross in. It was just um, utterly bizarre, and it was a real, real um, anticlimax. I thought because I thought Brighton could have given Everton a real um, scare here, and they just seemed to just pass themselves into submission. They they looked very tidy with the ball, but they just never looked like they had that cutting edge. To get still missing penetration, which was the same problem as last season, right? Like yeah. they brought in some good players, but the same problems still persist. I think, and they're, and, not, and, up, and they're not picking up points. You know, they, they had the Man U game, and and now and and. This one, to a much lesser extent, the man you one they should have got points out of, and, and it's going to matter at the end of the season when you when you when you have your chance to, to win or collect a point at least, and you don't. It's it's going to add up with, I mean, there there are some teams at the bottom who are who are not good, so that, that they might get lucky again, but a few other teams have improved, so you know it's going to be. Uh, Whilst there was a lot of teams that I guess um, that don't look forward to the international break because all of their players go away, a lot, a lot of clubs like um, the likes of Brighton, who who don't have a lot of players who will go away on um, international duty, I, I think they'll really appreciate the break because it'll give them an opportunity to to refocus and uh, and so forth. And, and I think uh, they'll come back really strong after the break again. So um, just on Everton, Tommy. Uh, yeah, good good to see Wobes in there and and getting some assists. Like uh, yeah, good deliveries. Yeah. I, I think that's that seems to be probably uh, Don Carlo's um, biggest achievement so far this season is getting a tune out of a Wobie because, like, I mean, I, I think it might have been on the preview pod that I was saying, like, the, the guy's just a spud and, he, like, I don't think I've ever seen him do, like, ever, ever seen him, him have on, a big game. Didn't stop him playing a couple of absolute spud diagonals there, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe, maybe, he should just, maybe he should just reel those in. But, um, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and I, I think it was with Everton – I. What I was um, really impressed with with one of the um, one of the moments in the game for me wasn't even the goal. It was actually they played it into the, the back right corner. Um, Coleman sort of started it off. They played it out of defence. You know they're not passing back to Pickford because he's a complete liability. Uh, <laughs> they try and go out from there, and they managed to to get out of this really tight um, space, which we've complimented um, uh, City over the years and, and that sort of thing. They've got out of a tight space, and then bang, they're on the counter attack and they've fizzed it wide. And a lot of that you can attribute to Harmes being so comfortable in, in small spaces. But oh. it's a real trend. It's something that we've seen Arsenal do a lot as well, like Bellerin will be in that corner. You're, you're thinking they're not going to get out of there. 
and then they find a way to, to fizz it out to the left back and all of a sudden you've got Dina uh, on his bike. Um, so not only do they look good uh, going forward and, and finishing a lot of their chances, they actually have an ability to get out of some tight spaces where in the past Everton would have just hacked it long uh, with no sort of um, ability to get out of those tight spaces. So it shows you that Ancelotti's working on a lot more than just um, some of the obvious things. It's the technical the, stuff. The, the reinvention of Gilfie as well. It's all... How can you have Gilfie? How can you have Gilfie and Hamas on the same uh, on, on the pitch at the same time and and not get overrun in midfield? Like Brighton really <laughs> made them look fantastic. Like surely you, those two on the field at the same time. It's unbelievable. It, sh- it shouldn't work, but it did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um one, Lord, of course. Yeah. Look, um, one final thing, which was uh for Yuri Mina's goal. Do you guys catch the goal celebration for for this one? The yeah, Macarena? Bit of bit of a um Bit of a, a throwback to um, some of the the 2014 uh, World Cup purists. <laughs> that was Hamas Hamas's goal against uh, what was it? Japan, Ivory Coast. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yet Yeri's header was against England. So to be some some flashbacks there. Yeah, it would have been some triggered Englishmen over the weekend. I, I suspect. Um, look, uh, moving on though, uh, one, one player who, or one person who would have been triggered, which was, uh, our demo, daddy demo, uh, triggered by yet another Sheffield United loss though. Um, Sheffield United really struggling at the moment, pointless. They managed to finally managed to get their first goal though. Uh, so that's, that's a positive that they can draw out of this game, but the goal trick yeah. as well, bit, bit of a surprise yeah. that he scored. Well, and, and what a goal as well. I actually thought that that was a really nice, uh, r- like a really well taken goal uh, from just outside the box. Um, another couple of good goals as well from Saka and Pepe. Um, speaking but, of Game uh, of Thrones, speaking of Game of Thrones characters, I mean, I woke up and saw, um, Gold McGoldrick assist Baldrock, and I thought, you know, maybe they, they here are a couple of uh, couple of guards at Winterfell. Those two blokes. How about the yeah. names? <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Double Louis was uh, like with that hair. I reckon there's a there's a Game of Thrones character in there somewhere. Oh, there certainly is. Yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't speak the common tongue though, would he? <laughs> Um, one thing that um, like sort of caught my eye, I guess, out, out of this was um, uh, David Luiz uh, pulling the shirt of Oli Burke just after he dispossessed him. And although Leno sort of snuck in um, and, and got to the ball, it was only just ahead of Oli Burke. And um, ultimately, the, the referee didn't call a foul, didn't call anything on this one. Do, do you think uh, David Luiz and Arsenal got away with one here? Um, I think if Leno, had, if Leno hadn't been out so fast and so it, I think it was clearly that he, he was going to win the ball. I think I think it would have been looked at and they probably would have sent Luis off. So Leno's just done him a massive favour because the shit, you know, when you slow it down, it's, it's clear, but I just didn't think he was ever going to get the ball because Leno was out so quickly. So luckily... Well, even in real time, it's like a blatant shirt pull. It's just that whether or not you consider that he's going to make it or not. And I guess we, we saw that earlier on in the season with, uh, it was Ollie Watkins and it was Sheffield United as well, actually, on the other side of this. I think it was John Egan that got sent off. Yeah. And, um, I mean, John Egan was a judge that, um, that he basically pulled back uh, Ollie Watkins and that Ollie Watkins was going to get onto the ball uh, in that case and, and Egan got sent off. So um, I guess... Uh, Sheffield United sort of uh, not necessarily getting the rub of the green uh, here. David Louis, um, watching David Louis is a little bit sort of voyeur, isn't it? Because the camera's on him, but he doesn't realise. And um, <laughs> that's the way he plays. You know, there's about 100 cameras 
watching what David Lewis is doing, right, and he so plays. He's, just, he's, he's an exhibitionist. He, <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing like there's, no, there's nobody else on the park, and you're like, mate, we can all see what you're doing, all right? Put it away. Um, yeah, I, thought, I thought Saka was was really good just on Arsenal as well. He scored a goal and he got uh, called up to England, the England squad as well. So big big week for him. Yeah, and, and he's he's a player that seems to be just sort of uh, ticking over really nicely. He con- t- continues to develop really well, continues to contribute, and um, good good signs are here uh, ahead for him and, and England, I guess. Um, Southampton managed to swat away uh, West Brom, uh, two well-taken goals, first from Gineppo and Romeo. Um, not really much to ride home, I thought, about uh, West Brom's performance. I thought they were pretty average. Um, three good points for, for Southampton at home, uh, where, strangely, they've struggled for points um, historically over the last sort of 12, 18 months. Um, Clean sheet. Uh, and yeah. guys, we've talked a lot about goals and, and, and goal difference and things like that, but I, I think that clean sheets are going to be worth worth their weight in gold this year because, I mean, geez, they've, there's, they've been few and far between um, for most teams. And if you can keep a clean sheet, if you, especially one of the, the teams that are in that logger jam in the mid-table um, come the second half of the season, uh, clean sheets can be the difference between you being in a relegation battle potentially and not. So. Critical. Yes, I, think, I think we should start a start a little um, tally, the clean sheet watch. So <laughs> you you wouldn't be very busy with uh, with that, I think, because <laughs> there hasn't been many clean sheets. Yeah. Uh, which which is why it's even weirder that like West Ham have kept two on the trot. I, I don't think we've kept two clean sheets uh, on, like successively for I don't know five years, ten years, or something ridiculous like that. And to do it in the current climate, it's just bizarre. You're like uh, one of the uh, Melbourne quarantine hotels, mate. A couple of clean sheets, and I feel like. <laughs> Don't need to change them anymore. No clean sheets there. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? Given the work of some of the security guards. It's like Chris Brown's (laughs) place. No clean sheets. Oh, jeez. Speaking of clean sheets, though, uh, Wolves, uh, we talked about them a little bit last week and how they've been struggling as well. Um, They managed to knock over struggling Fulham. Uh, Pedro Neto getting the goal there. Um, You can see why they call him Pedro Neto. Um, Back of the Neto. Back of the Neto. (laughs) Samato made made his de- debut as well. So he did. He did. Um, and uh, it looks like Wolves have sold another another fullback as well with um, uh, Vinagre. He, he looks like he's headed off. Uh, escapes me my memory right now. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've got a young French fullback in to replace him as well. Um, just just so- for all those. Playing along at home, uh, that actually does mean vinegar. So I, I think it's um, <laughs> it's a great name. I've always enjoyed Vinagre. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Neto, um, uh, Tommy, I, I brought Neto into my fantasy team this week. Again, one of the gambles. And um, Jimenez blanks and Neto pops up for a goal. So it was pretty chuffed, <laughs> pretty chuffed with that. But um, he's kind of the forgotten man in there because a lot of people were talking about Podence and, and, and his call up to the, um, the Portugal team. I, mean, I know that we're watching Portugal be every week uh, when we uh, watch Wolves. But um, promising signs to have uh, Neto firing in and getting a goal because, I mean, he seems to be the heir apparent to, to Jota in that position for now. So Yeah, yeah similar sorts of players, uh, both Portuguese and uh, getting similar results as well. Um, Neto has been really good this season and the back end of last season as well. Um, finally finishing up, though, uh, Newcastle, they oh, uh, hosted... Sorry, Tommy, I just wanted to make a quick mention to Fulham. Uh, who um, there's not a lot to talk about with Fulham at the moment, but I, I did watch the second half of this game, mainly because I was sweating on Wolves, and I watched <laughs> the second half, and look, man, look, man, 
Um, he was sensational when he came off a follow-up. I don't know if you guys caught any of this. If you haven't, go back and have a look. His second half performance was magnificent. I mean, I know it was a very... I can't um, tell if you're being sarcastic yeah. or not. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. There was two guys that came on for Fulham. I've forgotten the other guy's name, um, but Look, Lookman came on uh, in the second half and was creative, was fast, was attacking, um, looked very good technically on the ball. Um, and it was real bright in areas to huff and puff and then not create any actual um, chances. But he... He looked very good and, and a breath of fresh air for the Fulham team because they just looked like they had no impetus at all. Um, but he came on and looked really, really good. So keep an eye on him. It's my hot well, pick. I think they're going to, like, from memory, he's pretty quick and I think they're going to need some pace because, uh, I mean, Mitrovic offers, like, zero pace. So um, yep. they're going to need something up front to, to move around defences or, I mean, like, they're going to they're also going to be defending pretty deep. So I think they need some pace to be able to, to help out Mitrovic as well. Um Cabano, that's the one. Brett's yeah, got it. Nice yep. Cabano. Yeah. Yep. He was great. Shout out for Cabano there. Thanks, Brett. I, I, um, I'm on Brett's wavelength. I'm on, I, listen, Brett, don't tell don't tell all the viewers, all right? Okay. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm keeping also, an eye on them. Also got a, a fantasy hit there as well, uh, saying Lookman's oh, wow, uh, yeah. good 5.0 option for fantasy that's, as well. That, that's so what I'm saying, Brett. Tommy. I'm saying, <laughs> Brett, Brett, let's just keep this as a secret, right? <laughs> all right just to finish up though uh newcastle hosted burnley um some of their early season positive positivity seems to be ongoing though obviously they beat west ham in uh, the first game week and and some maximum here uh uh, kick things off with a with a really nice uh, nicely taken goal uh beating pope um and then callum wilson also got one as well from the penalty spot um, Burnley still struggling, still pointless. Uh, although they were they were definitely in this one, but obviously they're really missing um, Ben Mee and uh, Jack Cork in particular. Um, they'd be very happy to have Ashley Barnes back. I think he played sixty or seventy odd minutes, so he's a great. Um, uh, it's great to have him back, but but still Burnley really struggling. And um, I think we all picked them for for mid table, but I think they could be closer to the relegation zone depending on how quickly it is before Cork and Mee uh, Mee come back. Um, so Maxwell was just, yeah, electric and, um, you know, Callum Wilson, two goals, another two, just, just loving life at, at Newcastle. Well, like what, what we mentioned before about sort of like the, the template for playing against teams like Arsenal, uh, sorry, um, Liverpool and, and City and like some maximum, he, he's perfect for that because he's big and he's strong and he, like he's technical and he can beat a player and like he's a real but, handful. But, but, he, but he's got no end product. He's got no end product. And then he goes <laughs> and does that. It was, um, yes, no, exactly. But it was great. It was great to see him because um, he's come back from an injury as well. He was, he was out for a week or so, but uh yeah, I, I think he's back injured again now as well. Actually, also, Samato, I think, uh, went off with maybe a wee niggle as well. We, we forgot to mention that. But I was just going to say, guys, um, going back to the Newcastle game, they they were actually, there was a genuine worry about their defence um, after Brighton t- um, tailed them up at home uh, as well. So they'll be pleased to get through with a few goals and a convincing win because I think uh, Newcastle were a little bit concerned uh, going into that game about their their defence, so it'll be pleasing for for Steve Bruce. Here, yeah. um, but look that that Manager um, of the month, Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um, oh, look, I was, t- I was talking to to John Stomo, friend of the pod, um, this afternoon, and and he was saying that there, there there's plenty of uh, Newcastle fans out there that that aren't really happy with how Newcastle are doing at the moment, and they think that with uh, with more of the um, 
with the investment that they have had over the summer that they should be doing better. Which, um, look, I, I think maybe it says more about Newcastle supporters than it does about um, than how Steve Bruce is doing. Because, look, maybe just me speaking, but I think Steve Bruce is doing a bloody bang up job at the moment. Uh, well, is it, is, it, <laughs> is it time to drop Callum Wilson for Andy Carroll? Ooh. That is a big call. No, that I mean, is a I'm not big... suggesting it. Is that what, is that what they're <laughs> suggesting? That, that's you know, just, we just all... to clarify, I'm not suggesting that. Oh, we all want a toilet seat made. I was going to say we that's a, a terrible call. <laughs> we, we all want a toilet seat made out of solid gold, but we can't have everything in life, can we? So, you know, get, get real. Oh, geez. All right. Look, um, speaking of golden toilet seats, though, uh, it's now a time to announce uh, one of our uh, FPL monthly prizes, though. Um, just recently, we were saying that um, we, we announced the, the prizes uh, and that we're going to be giving away a monthly prize for, for the best uh, total score uh, each month. Um, and this month, the, the prize goes to um, Mike Wise. Uh, so Mike's team, uh, Killian in the name of, also got a great team name, I've got to say. Um, his team wins uh, this month this month's prize with 225 points or an average of 75 per week. Um, so even if he did use his bench boost one week, which I think only gave him like four or six points or something like that. So um, look, congratulations, Mike. Uh, you win the massive prize of 20 bucks. So um, congratulations, Mike. Um, don't spend it all at once, but um, maybe let us know what you're, what you're spending on. I've got to say, um, as I was sort of preparing for this, I thought to myself, a $20 prize is real like sort of um, like a, a birthday uh, birthday card from your nan sort of territory. Like yeah, you're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, 20 bucks, Cool. But you can't like be unhappy about it because it's a present from your nan. <laughs> That's right. Oh, dear. All right. Um, finally, uh, look, what, what everyone's really here for, uh, here for when uh, we talk about fantasy football, though, is uh, how the MTAG hosts are all going. And, Jesse, you are absolutely flying at the moment. You're up to, with, uh, with this weekend's results taken into consideration as well, you're up to fifth uh, in the overall uh, More Than a Game League. So congratulations, Jesse. Um, George, I, I didn't get far enough down the list to, to catch either you or no. I. So, um, um, yeah. Well, who, who, who put that um, tweet up? A few weeks ago, because I, I, I've got team about Werner. Yeah, so I, I've backed him in uh, uh, since the start of the season. So just oh, waiting for it to come good. Mate, this is the problem with like using him Club Allegiance. <laughs> mate, mate, there's a real parallel here. I put in the group chat, uh, George, that you know Werner looks like a bloke off Lost, the TV show. And, <laughs> yeah, that was um, good. I saw that. And, and, and I was just thinking, like, there are more things to that than than it, 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 you first notice. I mean, like Lost. Um, the more that you hold them in your team, the more and more you regret how far you got into that season. And, and by the time by the time you get to the end of it, you, you're you're really just you're just watching it just for the uh, the closure rather than the enjoyment. <laughs> just yeah, trying try to figure out a, an ending. But, um, when he uh, does right. finally score a goal, will you actually be happy? That's the question I've got. Well, uh, well, just throw the remote at the TV and just one like, turn it off. He has scored one in the Carabao Cup, so yeah. Oh right. well, there you go. You, you can check out now, um, George. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that wraps things up for this week, though. Um, More than a game is going to be taking a bit of a break next week with no, uh, sorry, with the international break, and there's no A League, there's no W League, there's no Socceroos or Matildas, though. So, um, uh, 
you'll be able to catch us again in two weeks' time. Uh, of course, we'll be still doing uh, YouTube videos and, uh, of course, then um, roughly about 24 hours later, we can upload that as a podcast as well. So um, in the meantime, though, I'm sure there'll be plenty of content on Facebook and Twitter from us. Uh, as always, though, you can also email us at more than a game, or sorry, mtagpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but until next time, enjoy the football. Yeah, happy deadline day, boys. Happy deadline day indeed. <laughs> May all your wishes <laughs> come true. Except if you're a man you fan. <laughs>